We got a new month, but it's a continuation of the same uh, sermon series, Taking It Back. Taking It Back. And, and tonight I want to be talking about Taking Back Courage. I had a title for uh, this message, and then I, I was thinking of something my dad used to tell me whenever I would be kind of hesitant or, or maybe uh, scared of trying something new. He would always say, no guts, no glory. And so I entitled this message today, No Guts, No Glory. In the book of 2 Samuel, chapter 30, verse 8, David, he is speaking to the Lord, and he's asking of God here, and he says, Should I chase after this band of raiders? Will I catch them? And the Lord told him, Yes, go after them. You will surely recover everything that was taken from you. Now, I want you to keep this uh, portion of Scripture bookmarked because uh, later on in the message, we're going to get into the context of, of this, uh, this interaction between God and David, the, what led up to him praying this prayer. The series that we're in, it's a series that's designed to stir us. And what I mean by stir is not in the rah-rah sense, uh, like a pep rally, make you feel good, uh, make you feel excited, and then you leave and, and nothing's changed, but stirred up in the sense that we would be encouraged to take back what the enemy has stolen, to take back that which he, he's been uh, taken away from, from you and I. We got to remember that the devil, he's a thief, the Bible says. The Bible says he comes not but to steal kill and to destroy but thanks be to God that he's come to give us that life uh, the Bible says Jesus came to give us life and life in abundance uh, abundance of peace uh, abundance of joy abundance of hope uh, abundance uh, whatever it is that you might be lacking tonight uh, Jesus is able to provide for you in abundance maybe you need hope tonight the series it's designed to remind us that we are children of God and we are sons and daughters of the Most High God. And, and if we are children of God, then we are to be bold. Uh, we are to be courageous. Uh, we are to be, the Bible says, the head and not the tail. Uh, means we're victorious in Christ. Uh, means Jesus has done something on the inside. And we're to be reminded that we are children of God, that we have the Spirit of God that dwells inside of us. The Bible says that the devil is defeated. That Jesus uh, has given us authority to trample upon snakes uh, and scorpions. Uh, that we can put uh, our foot over him in victory. But I think sometimes we struggle. Sometimes we feel defeated. Maybe discouraged. Maybe you might be a little discouraged in the house of God tonight. God wants to encourage you. God wants to stir you up. God wants to remind you of who you are in him. The devil will lie to us. Uh, He'll tell us, uh, you know, you call yourself a child of God. You call yourself a, a Christian, and yet look at you, you struggle. Look at you, you have an issue with anger. Look at you, you're still struggling with the same sins, the same issues, the same hang-ups. Uh, he'll lie to us and say that we're, we're not strong, but that, we, that we're weak, that we're not courageous, but we're opposite, to fear, but we're fearful. And I want to say that tonight... Uh, God is going to help us take back our victory. God is going to help us uh, to go back and to take uh, back what the enemy has, has taken from us. And, and if we're going to have the victory in Christ, uh, you know what it's going to take? It's going to take courage. Say that word, courage. 
when, when we take back our courage, we'll find that others will take their courage back as well. Uh, Billy Graham, he said this. He says, courage is contagious. That's actually what I was going to call this message. Uh, but he said, courage is contagious. When one person takes a stand, the spines of others will be stiffened. We see that in the life of David. Uh, when when uh, he was a, a young man, just a shepherd boy, and his brothers were off uh, fighting the Philistines. The only problem was is they weren't fighting. The, here they were, this, Philist, this Israelite army, they were, they were scared. They were intimidated because of this Philistine giant named Goliath who would come out every day and would begin to mock them and would begin to say, send me a man, send me someone. And, and he put fear into this uh, Israelite army. And here comes David, bold and courageous, uh, coming off of victory, having defeated a lion and having defeated a bear. And he looks at this giant and he says, who does this giant think he is to defy the armies of the living God, to defy God himself? Uh, and he takes out that army. And you know what happened? Goliath. And you know what happens when he took out Goliath? All of a sudden, the Israelite army got emboldened. Their courage came back to them, and they ran off the Philistine army. One person, it just took one person to believe God, one person to have courage, and you see how the Hebrew soldiers, they got their, their courage back. Remember in the movie, The Wizard of Oz? Right, we know the characters. Dorothy, her dog Toto, the Tin Man, the Scarecrow, and the Lion. Except he wasn't referred to as the Lion, right? He had an adjective in front of his name. And what was it? Cowardly. He was the cowardly lion. We didn't say the mindless Scarecrow or the heartless Tin Man. But when the Lion came, we called him the Cowardly Lion. And we're introduced to that character becomes in trying to be ferocious and roaring. And, and Dorothy sees right through him and calls him out and says, you're nothing but a coward. Picking on, you know, someone a lot smaller than you. And the lion realizes that he is a coward. He, he, he knows that he's a coward and that cowardness uh, is eating him. That cowardness that he is experiencing, it's, it's tearing him apart. Uh, because he knows because of that cowardness that he has... He can't be what he was called to be, the king of the forest, the king of the jungle, right? The lion, he's supposed to be strong. He's supposed to be brave. He's supposed to be fearless. But he doesn't see himself that way. He sees himself as uh, inadequate, incapable because of the fear that he's experiencing and what the book tells us that the movie really doesn't show is that in spite of the fear that the cowardly lion was experiencing, he actually does pretty heroic uh, uh, acts to save his friends and to protect his friends. And what the lion, the cowardly lion, didn't realize is that fear is normal. And that courage isn't the absence of fear, but courage is acting in the face of fear. The Bible tells us to be of good courage, to be of good courage. If you go to the book of Deuteronomy chapter 31, Moses is coming to the end of his journey. He's coming to the end of his life. Uh, he has been leading Israel through the wilderness for these 40 years, and, and he knows that his time is coming, that, uh, that soon 
Israel's going to cross over into the promised land. They're going to cross that river Jordan, and they're going to come into their inheritance. Uh, they're going to come into a, another level. They're going to be able to receive the blessing that God had promised them so many years ago. And Moses understands uh, that he cannot go with them. And so he begins to prepare them. He's, he, he brings uh, Israel to him, and he brings his disciple Joshua to him, and, and he says, uh, you know, when we first came here, I sent the spies out uh, into the promised land to give me a good report, to give us a good report. Uh, and the spies came back. Two of them said, uh, we can do this. We can take the land. But the problem is, is that the rest of the spies, uh, they saw how good the land was. They saw the blessing of God. They saw the promises of God. But they saw the giants. And they were afraid. And rather than trust and to believe God, uh, they cowered back and and, and for 40 years, a whole generation passed, uh, having missed the promise of God for their lives. God said, it's going to be for the next generation. And Moses, he's preparing this next generation to cross into the promised land. And he's telling them, let me tell you what's awaiting you. Those same giants, those same enemy armies, those same trials, those same obstacles. But in verse 6, he says this. He says, be strong and of good courage. Do not fear nor be afraid of them. For the Lord your God, it says he is the one. Not Moses. He says he is the one that goes with you. And he will not leave you nor forsake you. That's good news tonight. That's good news tonight. Uh, that uh, sometimes we might feel like no one is with me. And I got to do this uh, by myself. No. God is with us. The one Lord Almighty, he goes before us. He goes ahead of us. Uh, he covers us. Uh, and the Bible says he'll never leave us nor forsake us. The English word uh, courage, it comes from the Latin word that, uh, core, which means heart. And one of the Hebrew words for courage is the word omet. And it's often paired with the word lev. And it makes the word omet lev, which means courage of the heart. That's because courage starts in the heart. The heart is where God lives. God is living on the inside. God is inside of each and every one of us uh, that calls upon the name of Jesus as Lord and Savior. The Bible says it's the Spirit of God that lives in us. That God, if God is for us, uh, who can be against us? And we're not alone. You might feel like you're alone. God is with you. His name is Emmanuel, God with us. Uh, and, and you might be going through something tonight. You might have heard some bad news, uh, and you're wondering, how am I going to get through this? Uh, what am I going to do now? Can I tell you, God already has an answer. God already has a plan. God has already set things in motion. He's bringing you along. He's going to guide you through each and every step. and not going to leave you or forsake you. Whatever situation you might find yourself in. It's not hopeless. Jesus is your king. The risen Savior is with you. The risen Savior is your Lord, and he goes before you. We've got to stop thinking that we're by ourselves in this. Sometimes when we go through trials, sometimes when we, something unexpected comes, it feels like we're by ourselves. But God is with us. And you know who else is with us? One another, our church family. That we're able to build and encourage and and help one another through whatever struggle, through whatever trial, through whatever hardship you might be along. God will raise someone up to say, hey, I got your back. Let's do this together. 
Romans 7:11, it says that the same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead dwells inside of you. We got to stop looking at the giants, and we got to stop looking at the enemy armies, and we got to stop looking at the devils that are in, that are in front of us, uh, and we got to start looking at Jesus that's inside of us. Uh, we got to remember that we are children of God, that we are children of the King, uh, that Jesus is our Savior, that we belong to him. I'm driving this point, driving this point, because we have that habit of forgetting sometimes. The disciples, they forgot who was in the boat with them. If you go to Matthew chapter 8, uh, verse 25 and 26, these disciples are on a boat, and Jesus is there with them, and he's asleep. And a storm comes on them, and, and the disciples are afraid. And, they, and, they're, and they're thinking they're going to die. They're going to drown. And so they run to Jesus, and they wake him up, and they say, Lord, save us. We are perishing. Verse 26, it says, Jesus said to them, why are you fearful? O you of little faith. And then he arose and he rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was great calm. Jesus is saying, where's your faith? Where's your faith? What are you afraid of? Uh, don't you know that I'm with you? Don't you know that I'm here? Don't you know that I have the power uh, to calm the storms in your life? Don't you know uh, there is nothing impossible you know, with, with me, with Jesus? And he's saying, but why are you so afraid? Why are you fearful? Fear is a real thing. Fear will cripple and will paralyze the biggest and the strongest of men. There's something actually physical that happens when um, it's, it's, the, it's fear, it's the flight or fight. Man, there's a lot of Fs there. When something makes you afraid, when something brings fear into your life, there's something, there's a, a natural reaction that happens in the body, in the mind, and, and that is you're either going to run or you're going to stand and fight. And let me tell you, it's, it's sometimes it's wise to get out of there. It's wise to run, to leave the situation. It's wise uh, to not continue to instigate uh, and aggravate. It's wise uh, to say, you know what? My bad. Sorry. And you live to fight another day. And sometimes you have to fight. Sometimes the battle is there at your front door. And it's important that you, you don't back off, but you stand your ground. Smith Wigglesworth I like Smith Wigglesworth. Pastor Reuben introduced me to some of his stuff. He said, there are two things in this world. One is fear, the other is faith. One belongs to the devil, and the other belongs to God. And see, the enemy will use fear to keep believers from stepping out in faith. He'll use fear from, for, to stop uh, the children of God from stepping out, uh, from maybe trying to... Uh, something new from believing God uh, but faith faith overcomes fear faith in a person's life uh, will give them the courage to step out in faith uh, faith in a believer's life will give them the courage uh, to give and to and to trust God with their finances uh, faith in a believer's life uh, will give them courage uh, to go up to someone and say hey can I tell you about Jesus uh, 
faith in a believer's life uh, will give them the courage uh, to say, can I pray for you? I see that you're not feeling well, that you're sick. Do you mind if I pray for you? That's what faith does uh, in a believer's life. It overcomes fear. It overcomes uh, the enemy's strategy. Faith, it makes us courageous. Faith in Jesus makes us courageous. Courageous enough uh, to take back what the, en- what the enemy has stolen from us. I think it's time that we tell the devil, I'm taking it back. Let's say that, I'm taking it back. It's a horrible feeling to have something taken from you. Whatever it might, it, 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 it may be. One thing is losing something, you misplacing something. You have no one to blame but yourself, right? But another thing is when something is taken from you, when something is stolen from you. Because you go through all sorts of emotions and all sorts of feelings, right? Fear could be one of them, frustration, anger. You know, you lose your peace. You lose your peace because not only was what was taken from you taken from you, but you're constantly paranoid, checking the locks, checking the cameras if you have cameras. It robs you of your peace. What hurts even more, though, is that if we ourselves leave that open door for it to be taken from us. See, thieves are always looking for an opportunity to take what doesn't belong to them. That's why we lock our doors. That's why we roll up our windows. My coworker, he's always reminding me, Manny, trust God, but lock your door. Because <laughs> he knows that things grow legs and walk away. And we lock our physical doors, but we also got to make sure that there's spiritual doors that remained locked. Because there's some doors that are not meant to be open. Remember, we know that Satan comes not but to steal, kill, and to destroy. And so we got to make sure that we're not opening doors, that we're not looking at things that we shouldn't be looking at, because that opens the door. That we're not uh, indulging in secret sins or habits, uh, because that will open a door. And that we're not starting relationships uh, and connections with people that we have no business uh, attaching ourselves to because that will open the door. And the enemy will use those little doors, those little cracks, uh, those, those small little footholds. He'll use it to come in and rob you. He'll come in like a flood. This is what happened to David and the 600 men that he was leading. In the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 27, verses 1 through 3. It says, but David kept thinking to himself, someday Saul is going to get me. Saul was actually trying to kill him. And he says, the best thing I can do is escape to the Philistines. Did you catch that? He said, the best thing I can do is to escape to the Philistines. And then Saul will stop hunting me for in Israelite territory and I will finally be safe. And so David took his 600 men and went over and joined Achish, son of Maok, the king of Gath. David and his men and their families, they settled there within Achish at Gath. The stress, the harassment, the threats that he was experiencing from Saul, they were taking his toll on him to the point where David just said, I'm out of here. I'm leaving Israel. David, he moves his family and he moves the families of the men that are loyal to him out of Israel, out of the covering of God, uh, that God had established there in the homeland, and he moves them into the Philistines, the Philistines that were constantly at war with Israel, that were constantly mocking the things of God. He moves his family and the family of his men there into that land. 
And there's times where we experience conflict, where we experience persistent trials or afflictions, uh, and, and, and that conflict, uh, if it's not resolved, it'll wear a person out. Conflict is expected at work or at school. It's a clash of personalities. Uh, Work ethics may vary. You might feel like someone is not pulling their fair share of the workload. Uh, you know, sometimes conflict happens at home between husband and wife, parents and children. Conflict is, is, is part of life. Sometimes we might even experience conflict in the house of God. And this is where we need to be cautious because the devil loves to divide. The devil loves to separate. And he'll use that conflict just like in David's life, to try to get you out of the things of God. See, the answer isn't to leave. It takes courage to address conflict. It takes courage to resolve an issue. David, he wasn't in sin. He wasn't in rebellion. All David wanted to do was to serve God and kill some giants. David was on fire for God. He was excited for the things of God. He had a zeal and a passion for the things of God. He never lost that new convert to love, that new convert zeal for the things of God. And because he was so excited for, for what God was doing in his life, and it was obvious uh, that God was moving in David's life, uh, he made an enemy in Saul. Saul became his number one hater. And we got to be cautious, church. That when we see the Spirit of God moving upon someone, uh, that when we see God raising someone up, that when we see God uh, anointing and putting their spirit upon someone, we don't become a Saul to their David. We got to be a Samuel to their David. Because what did Samuel do? Samuel anointed David. He said, you're going to be king. God has a plan. He's got a call, and he's got a destiny upon your life. Uh, and church, that's how we need to be with those around us. God's got a plan, a call, and a destiny for your life, especially to the younger generation. I'm so excited up in that media booth uh, because I have teenagers working with us there. And I tell you what, they've got a hunger to be behind that soundboard, to be behind that video board, to be behind that camera, to be behind that computer. They're excited for the things of God up there. David, he left his covering. He left his covering. He was once fighting against Israel, or excuse me, he was once fighting against the Philistines, against their culture and their practices, and now he's totally immersed in their society. The Philistines were a pagan people. They worshipped false gods and idols. They were into divination and fortune telling. And this is where David now has set up his home. And I, I, I was talking to my wife, and I says, man, you know, what I've noticed in the recent years is that new age, occult, divination, all of that, uh, it's no longer in the shadows. It's out front in the open now. It's in your face. We were at Long Beach a couple weeks ago, my, um, my wife and my daughter, myself, and we were just kind of in the area getting something to eat. And right in the open, there was this guy there. He had his table, and he had his tarot cards, and he was reading the tarot cards. And he had these three young teenage girls there. They were getting their, their, I guess their fortune read. And I heard myself saying, Jesus is the answer. That's all I knew to say at the moment. 
And, and I said, Jesus is the answer. Don't go to looking in the stars and to this. Uh, if you want to know what God has for you, look to Jesus. And the guy that was reading the fortune, he was like, amen, brother. And I go, whoa, it took me by surprise that he said that. Because I'm thinking, what a lie from the devil. And at that point, my wife and I were like, let's, let's go, man. And this is the culture now that David immersed himself in. This is the culture that he took his family into because of conflict, because his, it was discouraged. He was losing his courage. And it affected them. It influenced them. Because what happened was David and his men, they began to live as bandits. They began, they, they told the, the Philistine leader that they were under, that uh, they would say they were going to go uh, loot and pillage uh, these areas in Israel, but they were, they were going around to other cities, and they were, they were raiding these cities. They were robbing these cities. The thing was is they were leaving no witnesses. They were burning these cities to the ground, and they were killing and destroying everything in that city. They were no longer men of valor. They were just straight thugs now. And there was no courage in what they were doing. There was no valor in what they were doing. They were acting just like uh, the Philistines. They took their sights off of God, and they forgot what God had done in their lives. They were ruthless, and just like the devil, they were just out to steal, kill, and to destroy themselves. It got to the point where the Philistine leader said, um, David, we're going to war with Israel now, and you need to fight with us alongside of us. Imagine that. David, he was once fighting for the Israelite army, and now he's being told, we're going to go fight against them. We're going to go fight against your brothers. We're going to go fight against your own kin. But God is good. Thank be to God. That sometimes God knows, and he intervenes in our lives, and he stops us man, from making decisions that we shouldn't be making. He protects us. And that's what he did to David. What happened was... Uh, as the armies began to gather, David and his men, they stayed in the rear. And in 1 Samuel 29, verse 3, it says, The princes of the Philistines, they said, What are these Hebrews doing here? What are these Hebrews doing here? See, they understood that they were still Hebrews. They were still children of God, and they did not belong there. They did not belong there fighting with the Philistine army. They were worried that maybe in the heat of the battle that David and his men would actually turn and, and fight against them and fight for Israel. But what it was, was God was telling David and is telling his men, you don't belong here. This isn't where you're supposed to be fighting. There's no courage in this. There's no valor in this. You're on the wrong side. And if I could say tonight, prodigal, if you're watching online, if you're here tonight, backslider, same. If you're watching online, if you're here tonight, what are you doing in the world? You don't belong in the world. You're a child of God. You belong in the house of God, amongst the people of God, where the presence of God is. Uh, stop running from what God has called you to do. Stop running away from the things of God and come back into the things of God because this is where you belong. This is your home. This is where God wants to meet you tonight. 
David understood, and they were sent back. And as, he's, as him and his men are going back to, the, to, their, to their city, to their families, they see that something is wrong. They see now that their city is on fire. And when they arrive, they see that their families are gone, their wives are gone, their children are gone, their possessions are gone. And these men, they're overcome with grief, and they're overcome with sorrow, and they begin to cry, the Bible says, until they couldn't cry no more. And they understood that they were reaping now what they had sown, that they were responsible for what happened to their families. You know, men, tonight, we can't take our families for granted. God has put a heavy burden upon each and every one of us as men of God in our families to be leaders in our homes to be leaders, to be godly priests in our homes. We're not going to be perfect. We might make mistakes. We will make mistakes. But God has called us to be the leaders of our home. We're that covering. We're that intercessor. Of, intercessor. We bring our family before the throne of God. 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 6. It's our scripture. It says, now David was greatly distressed for the people spoke of, of stoning him because the soul of the people was grieved. Every man for his sons and his daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord. David didn't ask, God, can you make me strong? What David did is he began to strengthen himself in the Lord. You want courage tonight? You want strength tonight? Well, it comes when we strengthen ourselves in the Lord. And that's what it means when we strengthen ourselves in the Lord. Is it means just that we build ourselves up. We encourage ourselves. Uh, we begin to go back to those first practices uh, that we did as a new convert, that we did uh, as one seeking revival. If you were to walk in a gym and look around at the weights and at the machines and at the treadmills and, and maybe begin to talk to someone at the gym and say, let me t ask me, tell me about your workout routine and, oh, you're putting another 10 pounds on the you know, dumbbells there, right? You turn around and you walk away and you leave. Uh, you didn't get strong. You didn't strengthen yourself. You were just around a bunch of people that were strengthening themselves. But when you strengthen yourselves in the Lord, when you strengthen yourself in the things of God, you do that. You go back to those first practices. You begin to pray, read, you get a hold of God. You fast. You say, God, I'm not leaving here until you bless me. God, I'm tapping back into you, to that goodness of God. And that's what David was doing. He was strengthening himself in the things of God. He was remembering the promises that God had given him. Samuel 30, verse 8. It says, So David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered him, Pursue them, for you shall surely overtake them without fail and recover all. It takes courage to continue when you feel defeated. It takes courage to, to get up and, and move on when you feel discouraged, uh, when you feel like, man, I really blew it this time. And that's why we, we come before the presence of God. We ask God to strengthen us. We strengthen ourselves in the things of God. And God gives us that courage. And David just did that. He strengthened himself. He sought the Lord. And then you know what he did? 
He went after it. He went after it. He went back, believed the promises of God. The Bible says that he went to the Amalekites that, that uh, took his family, and they recovered all. They recovered their families. Uh, they got their families back. Uh, they got their children back. They got their possessions back. They went back and told the enemy, These, this, they do not belong to you. They, be, they, they are ours. Sometimes we got to do that. Devil, those are not your kids. Devil, that is, that is, they're my kids. Those are my grandchildren. It's my church. Uh, those are my friends. Uh, those are my parents. Uh, you can't have them, devil. God gave David the victory. I tell you what, in these last days, as I wind this down, we need, we need courage. We need courage to stand for Jesus in a world and a culture that is actively opposing Jesus. In the book of 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 16, we need courage to stand, church. It says this, it says, but it is no shame to suffer for being a Christian. Peter's saying, praise God for the privilege of being called by his name. Peter was a man that denied Christ at one time in his life. We know that story. And Peter was also a man that uh, was able to find repentance and forgiveness. And was able to stir that love and that fire that he had for Jesus. And so, in spite of the mistake that Peter made, G Peter was able to say, there is no shame to suffer for being a Christian. There is no shame for being called a child of God. It's a privilege. We live in a culture right now, they're obsessed with labels. I'm this, I'm that. They're even making things up. I'm this pronoun, I'm that pronoun, right? We are called by his name. We are followers of Jesus Christ. Children of God, we are called Christians. Uh, and as, as a child of God, he's put his mark on us. He stamped us. Uh, he belongs to me. She belongs to me. This is my child. Uh, I've separated them. I've consecrated them. I've removed them from this world. I've made them holy unto me, fit for my use. What a blessing. What a blessing uh, that we can be called a child of God. Uh, and so don't let the world make you feel embarrassed or ashamed because you are a child of God, because you believe the Bible, because you believe that the word of God is true, because you believe the stories of Adam and Eve, because you believe the stories of Noah, because you believe the stories uh, that God is a good God, because it's more than just stories. Uh, the word of God is living. The word of God is true. The word of God is what saves. Uh, it was what points us to Jesus. And don't let the world make you feel Anything less than the child of God that you are. That's our worship team can come up. I hear oftentimes people say, well, I don't want to push my beliefs on anyone. I don't want to push my religion on anyone. And it's interesting because the world has no problem shoving their garbage down our throats. We have to take a stand in these last days. I know a lot of us are waiting for the rapture, but it hasn't happened and so as, as wonderful as it sounds to be caught up uh, and, and be in heaven with, with, with the Lord himself, we're still here and we still have work to do. 
And we still have battles to fight and opposition to face. And the devil knows that his time is running up, and so he's intensifying these assaults. Uh, and I tell you, it, it, uh, you can see it, that lawlessness, uh, that lawless spirit that's uh, in this world right now. And it can be intimidating. It can stop you from wanting to do what you know is right. I was reading that, actually I was watching this story about uh, this Marine at this, bus, at this railroad station, this train station. And there was this individual there, and he, he uh, kept assaulting people. He had this record of assaulting people, of hurting people, of, of afflicting pain upon people. And he was doing that in front of this Marine. And this Marine said, I can't just sit there and watch him do, no, do this. I can't just do nothing. Because literally people were doing nothing. They were intimidated. They were afraid of speaking up. They were afraid of, of, of intervening. And this Marine did that. And he, and he got involved. The way a Marine knows how to get involved. And it was unfortunate that someone lost their life. But while he was protecting others, this individual that was assaulting everyone, he perished. You know what happened was, I don't know the final outcome. I got to um, research it, but they arrested the Marine. And it made no sense. And you know what I was thinking, though? That is a strategy from the devil to get people who know that they should be doing what's right afraid to not do anything, afraid to just, st to just stand back and not get involved. That's their problem. That's their problem. I, I'm afraid that if I do something or if I say something, they might get mad at me or, or they might come after me or they might uh, do something to me. And he uses fear to keep good people from doing something. That's their problem. That's not my problem. The issue is, though, is that it is our problem because it does affect us. And we might be thinking, well, I'm just serving God. It really doesn't affect me what goes on in this world. But the issue, though, is that it will affect your children. It will affect your grandchildren, my grandchildren. They're teenagers and those younger. They're under a direct demonic assault that's on their lives. There's a blatant agenda to influence them and to steer them away from what's right, to steer them away from the things of God, to pervert their minds, to twist their minds. And what happens is there's an undermining that's taking place. And the enemy's coming after our kids. And when something is undermined, it collapse. It'll collapse. I was looking at this video, and it really vexed me. There were these activists, these protesters, and they were ha they were chanting, they were mockingly chanting this chant. I, I won't tell you everything that they chanted, but this is what really grabbed me was that they kept saying. We're coming for your children. We're coming for your children. They weren't even hiding it. They kept saying, we're here, this is who we are, and we're coming for your children. And when I saw that, I said, no. Not on my watch, right? We're the church of God. 
We're the people of God, and God has entrusted us uh, with this next generation. And when we hear we're coming for your children, you know what we got to do? No. We're going to cover our children in prayer and fasting and in the blood of Jesus Christ. Because that's what we've been called to do. Pastor Bernie said the other day, for such a time as this, for such a time as this, this generation that we have been entrusted with is being raised up for such a time as this. And you know, church, you and I, we're in the house of God. We're born again believers. We saved, washed in the blood of Jesus Christ uh, for such a time as this. Because the devil's relentless. But greater is he that is in us, amen, than he who's within this world. Uh, let's give God praise. Uh,